This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. Week five in the National Football League is in the books, except for tonight's Monday Nighter with the Raiders and the Chiefs. Glad you're here. I'm Danny Mack, and this is the Danny Mack Podcast. We do it twice a week, courtesy of the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thank you for giving me some of your time. And if you have friends who liked listening to my radio shows over the years, and you've heard them say maybe a time or two in the last couple of years, God damn it, I miss Mac. Where's Mac at? Tell him I'm back. Tell them to subscribe to the podcast wherever they get their podcast. It's very, very easy. Glad you're here. Lots to do on the Bears and Vikings, of course. Vikings win the game 29-22. to 22. And, uh, boy, there's so many ways to cut this one up. And I, I want to get you a real big positive that happened for the Bears yesterday in terms of what it might mean for the future, not just yesterday. Yesterday's moment was was just a moment, but a reason to hold out some hope for erasing antiquated history down the road. But it's it's not a good day for the Bears from a, from a lot of standpoints. And I have both driven home from Minneapolis and I have flown home from Minneapolis. I prefer the drive. 94 coming across the great state of Wisconsin, especially in October, is a, is a great drive. It's just, it's beautiful. The rolling hills of Wisconsin, the dairy farms, the smell of of farms. I I, I love it. But it, it, they flew. The Bears always fly, of course. They're a professional football team, remember? And they fly home from Minneapolis. I only did that once. It's a very short flight. But I bet it was a long flight for Amir Smith-Marset. And a lot of Bears fans likely never had heard of Smith-Marset until yesterday. I'm not very familiar with his body of work, but I am now. And boy, was he haunted by Cameron Dantzler yesterday. The fourth quarter mistakes made by number 17 were just so bold-lettered and had such a swing in the game. The first one he recovers from, and that's the block in the back penalty on Dantzler, too, by the way, earlier in the quarter that negated a touchdown. But then to have the ball taken away from him, to be stripped of the ball, lose possession after gaining the first down when the Bears were in a perfect scenario. We've all been wanting to see these good measuring stick opportunities for Justin Fields. And there you had it after the Vikings scored to make it a seven-point game, the eventual the final score, 29-22. Fields has 226 with which to work and one timeout. Bears setting up shop at their own 25 
to start that drive. This is a perfect opportunity. You're on the road. You were getting blown out earlier. Then you managed to muscle out a lead for just a little bit late in the game. And you can go ahead and either either tie the game with the kicked PAT or go for the win and, and try to win it with a two-point conversion. But they don't get that far because Amir Smith-Marset had the ball stripped from him. And man, what a nightmare. And, and what and how that series starts for the Bears, too, is ju- it's, it's not what you want to see. Fields, the pocket is collapsing, and maybe he should have gotten rid of the ball a little bit earlier, but he steps up and then coughs up the football. Fortunately for the Bears, they recover, and they need a miraculous run after the catch from David Montgomery and more on Montgomery in just a little bit too, but a terrific effort by the Bears veteran running back to gain the first down. And, and then you you have the awful play from Smith-Marset, just a terrible way um, to see that thing finish. And if there's a Bears fan yesterday who's disappointed by the outcome, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong and tell you how you should be a fan. But all a win would have done yesterday for the Bears would have been further push them down in the draft. And right now, that's what you have to be looking for, especially if it means your quarterback isn't going to be the guy you look at after 17 games and say, yeah, we're going forward with Justin Fields. You got an opportunity maybe to pick in the first three or four. Certainly the top seven or eight picks are very doable for the Bears. I don't know how they miss, actually. Although watching some of these teams around the NFL, uh, you don't don't really know what's going to happen. You truly don't. The, The margin is so razor thin. With, with who wins, who covers, who's good, who's not, who makes plays, and who doesn't. Um, the Vikings were gifted not only the victory, and that happens. Teams, teams give away games, so that's not unusual. But what is unusual is when a team is being gifted a blowout win and it refuses to take the cakewalk. Now we'd really rather, we'd really rather not you know, beat this team by six touchdowns. We'd rather have to come from behind in the fourth quarter and convert a fourth down play with our quarterback running for his life and ducking his head in the Kirk Cousins did in the fourth yesterday to keep a drive moving. The go-ahead, the game-winning drive, as it turned out for Minnesota. Because on their first three possessions, the Vikings looked absolutely unstoppable. When Cousins set a brand new Minnesota record for most consecutive completions, he starts the game by going 17 for 17. And he finished with good numbers, but after that start, and the way they were just picking apart the Bears' defense underneath with Justin Jefferson, who had a huge day as well, but was tracking for an even larger day uh, than than he wound up accumulating. I I, I thought the Vikings were going to score at least in the 40s. They took their effing foot off the gas. You can't do that. That's the difference between teams like Minnesota and teams like Buffalo. Buffalo is sort of forced to keep throwing the ball because they don't have a running back who isn't wearing number 17. They really don't. Uh, 
Minnesota has the ability to both run it and pass it. And just why they didn't just pound the crap out of them, I don't know, especially on the heels of what the Vikings endured last year. This is a team that played more one-score outcome games than any team in the NFL a year ago with 14 of them, and they lost eight of those one-score games. So when you get a guy on the canvas, it is your responsibility in professional football to place your collective feet on their collective throats and push and not let them up for air. Well, the Vikings were very, very content with that 21-3 lead, and they stopped doing those things offensively that were so unchallenged by the Bears' defense earlier in the game. And they didn't need to go to the razzle-dazzle. On their third possession, when Cousins slings the ball to Justin Jefferson, it's a lateral, And you see pretty quickly Jefferson's going to hurl it too. He throws it back across the field to Dalvin Cook to set up a first and goal. I'm I'm said to my buddy, Raj, why in the world are they wasting these good plays? You don't need to. I wouldn't put that on tape, as they say. It's not tape. It's all digital. I wouldn't put that on tape for an upcoming opponent. I would keep that one in my pocket. I know you want to utilize everything you have installed, but... I'd pull that one out when I really needed it. At the time they did it, they were leading 14 to three. That thing's got to, got to stay tucked away. I'll use that trick play, the old trickeration when I need it. The Vikings didn't have to do that. Bears secondary people made all the tackles all day. They were in a lot of that's because they were throwing it more than they were running it. Cousins attempted 41 passes yesterday. And you also had the Jefferson a pass. And his rating was perfect, by the way. Justin Jefferson winds up having a perfect day from a rating standpoint of 158.3. Cousins winds up with a 94.7, hitting 32 of those 41 throws for 296 yards, an average of 7.2 yards per pass attempt, one touchdown, one interception. Kendall Vildor made that nice play. Nice job by him. Maybe Jalen Johnson. Um, you can show him that video so he sees what an NFL interception looks like, and maybe he'll get ready to play after missing a third straight game with a damn quad injury. Justin Fields on the other side, 15 of 21 for 208 yards, an average of 9.9 yards per attempt. One touchdown, he was not intercepted, sacked a couple of times, a rating of 118.8. So on paper, his best numbers of the year, that's a very, very low bar. He ran eight times for 47 yards and uh, a couple of times giving himself up and uh, taking a chance because that's what gutsy quarterbacks do when they have to move the chains, unlike the kid in Arizona yesterday, and I'll go around the league with you as I do every Monday as soon as I wrap up Bears and Vikings. But mentioning, I don't want to forget, mentioning the Vildor interception, Jalen Johnson has been nursing a quad injury, and that was the third game he missed. So you have to bring in Jalen Jones, number 31, who is not ready, and Kyler Gordon, who made a lot of tackles yesterday, is not ready to handle the load he's had placed on him in his first year. I don't care how good he was in the Pac-12. He isn't ready for this. Jaquan Brisker has been asked to do way too much. He's expected to, as a first-year player, second-round pick out of Penn State, 
to just come in and help Eddie Jackson captain that football team on the back seven, as as they like to call it. I prefer a front seven and a secondary, but that's NFL terminology in the 21st century, and I can't control it. Bears' leading tackler yesterday was Jalen Jones. He had nine solos. Gordon had eight. Jackson had eight. Nick Morrow, number 53, was out of position much of the afternoon. Roquan Smith made some big plays, but also got his shoulders turned and several times lost contain. He is still adjusting to a new position and not en route, it doesn't appear, to getting the big contract he thought he had coming before the year started when he was the hold in. I'm I'm in camp, but I'm not working out. Uh, it's not gone well through five weeks for Roquan Smith. Uh, Smith, if he thinks he's getting anywhere near top five pay at the position, he is dreaming at this point. Fields and Luke Getze, the marriage between the quarterback and the offensive coordinator and play caller has got to get smoother. There is absolutely no excuse whatsoever for not getting the damn ball snapped before the play clock expires on your first possession. They're penalized for a delay of game, and they immediately recovered from it. That was the nice 30-yard gain fields to Montgomery on the swing pass that went for 30 yards, immediately making them forget about it. But your first, right out of the shoot, after watching the Vikings take seven minutes to go down the field and put it seven points on the board in a 12-play drive, you respond by not being in correct personnel. Guys not knowing where they're supposed to be. This is a second year for Fields. you got to do the same thing every damn time when you're in there. And, and, you know, and Dave wants that would say he knows that. You count the bodies in the huddle. You bring them up to the line of scrimmage, and you make sure everybody is going to where they're supposed to be. He waited way too long to make that an adjustment. Cole Komet's running around looking confused. And just confusion reigns, and, and that's how their, their first series starts. And then they they do it something really stupid on their second possession when the ball is snapped before Fields is ready for it. They're in shotgun formation. Fields is stepping closer to his center, Sam Mustafer, as he's barking out signals, and Mustafer snaps the ball somewhere between the knees and belt buckle, the crotchal region of of fields. He wasn't expecting it, and the Bears are lucky they don't turn it over on possession number two. They looked like they were the team coming back from London after a date with Dennis Allen's New Orleans Saints the previous week. There was thought that Minnesota may, may be a little bit logy. I expressed that last week going into the game, but I also said I'm taking the Vikings laying seven or seven and a half. I wound up getting them at seven and a half, and they peed it away. Very disappointing. But you'd think the Bears would have been much crisper to start that game, and they were so lost on the day. Not just the mistakes made by guys who aren't expected to be big-time players, but like Amir Smith-Marset or Dante Pettis, who was targeted twice yesterday and dropped them both, number 18 in your program, number one in your heart. He's not the purple 18. That's a different guy in Justin Jefferson who wound up having a huge day. 
for the Vikings. 12 catches for 154 yards. He didn't score a touchdown, but an average of 12.8 yards per reception. And then there is Bears receiver Darnell Mooney. It is right today to give praise to Darnell Mooney. He was targeted five times yesterday. He caught two passes for 52 yards. But the 39-yard catch he made with one hand while falling to the ground after getting separation, a little bit of hand fighting with the Vikings DB number 39 who was in coverage, got a little Tony Romo in me, Darnell Mooney authored what has to be the greatest catch by any Bears receiver in franchise history. That should be on every highlight reel, on every NFL recap show, any any show that's giving you the best 10 plays of the weekend or the best this or that. That catch has to be on there. You will not find a better catch, I don't think, this year. There are some remarkable ones every weekend. We are in the era of the one-hander. And Odell Beckham, of course, in a Monday night game with his one-handed catch in a Giants uniform a few years ago. The Bears don't have franchise catches like that that everybody remembers. and every They even have nicknames like Dwight Clark of the 49ers with the catch. But they have the Darnell Mooney catch now for 39 yards, better than anything Willie Galt did, Marcus Robinson. And uh, I, I thought the way Bears fans treated Brandon Marshall on his way out the door was reprehensible. He had a bad year in year number three, but he, he was a leader. He was trying to lead both by example and by being a verbal presence. And he, he was a great example. His first two years in Chicago, he was terrific. Mark Tressman found a way to get that dude the ball, even with Josh McCown slinging the apple around at Soldier Field. But, uh, I just, man, <laughs> we got to get to an era when the names of Bears players from the pre-Super Bowl era are stricken from the record books. And what I'm wondering aloud with you today is whether Darnell Mooney is going to be that guy or is he just going to be the next in a line of guys who allowed Johnny Morris to see his name atop the charts. Harlan Hill, the former Michigan end, they called him an end in his era. They didn't call him a wide receiver. He was an end. That's how far back he played. Mike Ditka whose name appears on the list of top ten, uh, top 10 Bears receivers in franchise history. And you look at career numbers, you look at individual season, individual game records. These names have to be torn off the walls, out of the record books. Is Mooney going to be that guy? Man, I, I don't know. I, I, I sure don't have a lot of faith in fields at this point. I don't have any reason to have faith in this coaching staff either side of the ball. So much remains for us to learn about what Matt Eberflus is going to do. And once this ship starts taking on more water, and it's going to week after week because they don't have good personnel 
You want to give them credit for being grindy yesterday. You have at it. I'm pointing my finger at the Vikings for not finishing what they effing started. Minnesota had a team just ready to lie down yesterday, and they helped them get up off the canvas. Darnell Mooney. Um, I, I, you know, what, what a play. Well, what a spectacular piece of artistry in sports. There are times when this game is just almost unwatchably brutal, and there are times when it is poetry in motion, and that's what Mooney's catch was yesterday. But it's not enough. And the Bears come up short again, 29-22, the final against Minnesota. The Bears, the Bears now settling into what most of us expected them to be, a team with a losing record. And can they continue to drift further and further in obscurity? Sure they can. Sure they can. Uh, and they will. And uh, another example of why the Vikings didn't put the Bears away is Harrison Smith, uh, who had a pick six sitting right in front of him and dropped the ball. You got to catch it before you take it into the end zone. You got to catch it. You know, running backs in this era are, are really victims of progress. They are not treated with respect by the organizations that employ them. They rarely are afforded second contracts. They are moved around like depreciated equipment early in their careers. Very few running backs are fortunate enough to get a second contract. If I have David Montgomery of the Bears, who really has not been given a chance in his NFL career, while it's still young, to show how valuable he can be to a football team, I, if I'm the Buffalo Bills right now, as I go around the league here, I'm trading for David Montgomery today. I'm tired of seeing my MVP quarterback, Josh Allen, being my team's best running back. We're winning because of it, but I don't want to go through a whole season without a running back, and they don't have one. Singletary and Moss and Dalvin Cook's little brother, not happening with those guys. David Montgomery, say what you will. He doesn't have breakaway speed, but the son of a bitch runs hard. He puts his shoulders down and runs with ill intentions. I like watching that cat play football. He is an aggressive, physical back. And what the Bills would be if they had him is, is next level. If Buffalo, in fact, needs to go next level. Final yesterday in upstate New York. Bills 38, the Pittsburgh Steelers 3. It was windy in Buffalo. So you're thinking, all right, uh, maybe I'll play play the under here. And you'd have been smart to do that because the Steelers didn't participate from a scoring standpoint. But you're thinking the Bills are just going to have to grind this out somehow, punch out a grumpy, as Yurko would say when he was constipated. No problem for Josh Allen. A 98-yard TD strike to Gabe Davis early is a harbinger. Allen goes 20 of 31, four touchdowns. Davis, 171 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Stephon Diggs also in the bonus with 102 yards and a tutty. Steelers would like to make life easy for rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett. First NFL start yesterday. But they can't run the ball either. Najee Harris, 11 carries for 20 yards yesterday. 
a 1.8 yards per carry average. Pittsburgh is one and four and could be en route to its worst season in more than 30 years. These are not the Steelers of of Mike Tomlin vintage when they were Super Bowl, nor are they the Steelers at the end of the Bill Cowher era when they did win a Super Bowl. They won Super Bowl 40 in Detroit against uh, the Seahawks. These are the Steelers from a personnel standpoint that were transitioning from Chuck Knoll to Bill Cowher. The team, I think it was 88, when the Steelers went 5-11 and and finished last. That's how long it's been since Pittsburgh has been the doormat in its division. This is one of those years when Steelers fans are going to say, wow, been a while since we've seen one of these with no uh, T.J. Watt and no running game. Deontay Johnson still living in complete obscurity as their best receiver. Going to be a long year for Pittsburgh. The Chargers beat the Browns yesterday, 30-28. to The Chargers survived head coach Brandon Staley, who again defiantly defends his stupidity when he stands at the lectern after games. With the ball at their own 46-yard line, the Chargers went for it on fourth and one late in the game. Justin Herbert and Mike Williams don't communicate. The ball falls incomplete. Cleveland then has an opportunity to win the game. They didn't win the game. Ultimately, you could say, I don't fault Staley. Cade York missed a long field goal. This cat has nailed him from 58 yards this year. I think that was opening day. He hit a 58-yarder, but he missed from 54 yards, and the Chargers survived Brandon Staley's asinine decision. And this is against a team that had been moving the ball. Why would you all of a sudden trust your defense? Nick Chubb is going to put them in field goal range with one nice little run. Nick Chubb was a stud again yesterday. 17 carries for 134 yards and two touchdowns. But Staley gives Cleveland a chance to win it by that stupidity of going for it on fourth down. And I wonder what it's going to be like in Chargers camp this week because wide receiver Keenan Allen, who was not playing yesterday, went public with his disgust for his head coach. WTF are we doing? Tweeted good old number 13, uh, Brandon Staley. Kept his team from getting to the playoffs last year, and he's trying to do the same thing again this year. But yesterday, Los Angeles survives 30-28. 30-28. to 28. Jets over the Dolphins Sunday, 40-17. to 17. No Tua and no Teddy Bridgewater either. He's knocked down early and concussed. The Jets are now 3-2. and two. They don't beat themselves. And Robert Sala, very enthusiastic and excited after the game yesterday. And why wouldn't you be? They're 3-2 and two now. They just, they, they don't turn it over. They don't have too many penalties. I think only five yesterday. Against the Dolphins, they win ugly, but in this league, any coach will tell you that's that's really not a thing. There's no such thing in the NFL as an ugly win. Uh, back to the NFC North, and let me get the London failure that was Matt LaFleur's Packers on the board. Giants over Green Bay, 27-22. to 22. And all of a sudden, the NFC East looks like a real good division because Dallas won again yesterday. And the Giants are 4-1. and one. 
The Giants scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. Neither team turned it over, and the Green Bay defense was okay against Saquon Barkley. He averaged 5.4 yards per carry, but he only had 70 yards and uh, and a touchdown. What 13 carries was not really as involved as a receiver as they would like him to be. Three catches for 36 yards. The Giants go three or six for 11 on third down to assist in the win. Daniel Jones, 7.6 yards per pass attempt. Aaron Rodgers had less than that. The Packers running game stalled. Only 20 carries on the day. Only 94 yards. And dissension brewing in Green Bay about different rules for different fools. Veterans want to go out in London the night before the game, while younger players are told to stay in your rooms. You don't have to study your playbook. You can have company if you want. And, uh, you know, young testosterone infested guy infested uh guys will do that um it's it's weird it's weird how they 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 set themselves up for this by having those different sets of rules and they wind up spitting the bit against the giants 27 22 giants over the packers keeping it in the north with dan campbell's detroit lions shut out by the patriots sunday 29 to nothing The Lions can't muster points against the Patriots, who have played hard defensively but possess an offense that typically is very, very challenged. And uh, that wasn't the case yesterday because they got their running game going in their throwback unis. Oh, do I love the Quaker Oats Patriots uniforms, the uniforms of Jim Plunkett and Randy Vataha, the Stanford connection later with Steve Grogan. In the 80s, the ones they wore, the, the the Samuel Adams Brewer, the Quaker Oats guy snapping the football. Those are cool unis. I love those. And Bailey Zappi, your table is ready. Uh, he's on in relief yesterday. Uh, he's their third quarterback. He's goes 17 of 21 for 188 yards. Good enough for a rating of 100. But what did in the Lions, as it has done every week, is they can't stop the run. Ramondre Stevenson rushed 25 times for 161 yards, an average of 6.4 yards per carry for New England yesterday, which muscles out a win. Jacoby Myers, seven catches, 111 yards, and a touchdown. The Lions can't defend the run, and they can't rush the passer. They didn't sack Zappy yesterday. So I, I, I don't know what happened to Detroit between episode number five and week one of the NFL season. It was only a few days that expired, but suddenly a lot of us, I, I was guilty of it, who believed that they might be able to put something together this year. They can't even compete. They get their asses kicked by the Quaker Oats Patriots, 29 zip. Saints over the Seahawks, 39-32 Sunday. Both Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill rushed for more than 100 yards. As New Orleans played keep away, they had the ball for almost 38 minutes. I got sucked up into the Seahawks this week. I took the five and a half, and I burned as a result of it. Man, it'd be nice to have a guy like Taysom Hill on your team, wouldn't it? That, That dude is strong and runs hard and also can throw the ball. I wouldn't want him quarterbacking my NFL team any more than on an emergency basis a week or two. If I had to, but I'd let him throw it a few times a game. He's a tremendous threat. You put him out 
um, at the top and throw the ball to him the way the Vikings did with Justin Jefferson and let Taysom Hill try to throw the ball deep to somebody who may have gotten separation when they bid on what they thought was a run. That can be something real special for New Orleans or any team that had a guy with those type of skills. The Buccaneers beat Atlanta yesterday 21-15. to Tom Brady now is perfect 11-for-11 in career games against the Falcons. Atlanta scored all of its points in the fourth quarter. The Bucs win for the first time at home this year. Brady throws for 351 yards and a touchdown. No turnovers in this game. Uh, It was Tennessee 21, the Washington Commanders 17. The Commanders have no identity offensively. They can't run the ball. They have no real consistent threats to throw it to unless you're a Terry McLaurin guy, and I am not. Carson Wentz has been a mixed bag this year, but I I know Ron Rivera, the head coach of the Commanders, still believes you can do a lot of good things if you run the ball a lot and it doesn't you don't have to average five point yards per care five point oh yards per carry to make it effective if you if you run the ball and possess it you know you know 33 35 rushes a game and you're you're 2.7 yards per carry that's acceptable if you're keeping the ball away from a team that has threats on the other side in Tennessee not the same team as some others uh, they have to play in their division. I mean, my goodness, Cooper Rush is in the NFC East. So I shall get to Cooper Rush right now. He's 4-0 since replacing Dak Prescott. Rush was more of a game manager Sunday at SoFi Stadium. He attempted only 16 passes, but the tandem of Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard were way too much for the overtaxed Rams defense the Rams are now two and three. They do not look like a Super Bowl contender. They're 29th in the league in scoring and dead last in the league in rushing. And uh, Sean McVay saying after the game, we got to get Matthew Stafford some help. We got to get him righted here. Well, he doesn't look himself. Cooper Cup has been great, and he was great again yesterday. Seven catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown. But that's pretty much all they have going. Cam Akers is a rumor. Stafford can't get out of the line of fire. They don't protect him. And they had the ball shoved down their throats by the Cowboys running game yesterday. Good good for the Cowboys at 4-0. I think life is more interesting when our traditionally, NFL life anyway, uh, when our traditionally strong franchises are good again. Even if you hate them, it is more fun to root against the Cowboys in January than it is in October. Cowboys win yesterday. They're now four and one. Cooper rushes four and one. Daniel Jones is four and one. The Eagles are clean at five and oh. The NFC East, just a juggernaut. Let's get to the Eagles. They beat the Cardinals 20 to 17 yesterday. The Cardinals did not allow a Jalen Hurts touchdown pass. They stopped the run well enough against Sanders, Hurts, and Kenneth Gainwell, but they only sacked Hurts twice and they didn't get any takeaways. Matt Amendola's would be game tying field goal sailed wide right. The Eagles 
hang on and win. They're 5-0 and for the first time since 0-4 when they won their first seven games en route to a 13-3 and finish. Kyler Murray slid just shy of the first down marker, ultimately leading to a field goal attempt. That was the Amendola miss after they had to 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 clock the ball on the very next snap. He's got to have more field awareness. Murray, now they don't have the yellow line out there for the benefit of players who are trying to run for first downs. We see that on our 60-inch TVs or even on our phones. They don't have that benefit. But still, you've got to be sure that you are going to, when you begin your slide, you've got to be past the marker. That The ball is spotted where you start your slide, not where you wind up. And we saw other quarterbacks go head first yesterday. Fields did it and Cousins did it. They both, in the Bears-Vikings game, they did it. Uh, there were other quarterbacks who, who gave it up for, for first downs. And, uh, man, that's what makes Murray so explosive or those big plays, those splash plays. And I'm, I understand he wants to protect himself, but there are times in a game when you've got to be willing to give up your body and to, to slide when you're not quite sure if you got to the stick, maybe he thought he was, if he did, that's on him too, because you've got to know where the sticks are. So Cliff Kingsbury's Cardinals come up short on the missed field goal from Amendola, and the Eagles remain clean. Fly, birds, fly at uh, at 5-0. and The 49ers beat the Panthers yesterday 37-15. to Baker Mayfield's problems aren't going away. He was sacked four times. He threw a pick. He did not throw for a touchdown. Jimmy Garoppolo was good enough for San Francisco, 18 of 30 for 253 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, a 109.4 rating. Jeff Wilson carried 17 times for 120 yards and a touchdown. The Niners are now 3-2, and two, recovering from their opening day stumble against the Bears at Soldier Field. But Nick Bosa is hurt. He went down with a groin injury early, did not return. That is a huge loss for the 49ers with with Bosa, number 97, sidelined for the time being. I have very little for you on the Houston Texans' first win of the year. I'm not going to assume it was a snooze fest because it was a 13-6 final. I heard Solomon Wilcots on Sirius XM early this morning say a snooze fest. I I bet he didn't watch a damn down of it. Now, you look at the score, yeah, probably not what you'd expect from an NFL team. But again, this is Houston and Jacksonville, and the Jaguars are not ready yet. Three trips to the red zone for Jacksonville yesterday. No touchdowns. I got sucked into thinking the Jaguars were on the come. I was betting more against Houston than I was on the Jaguars, but I lost a lunch money bet on on Jayville yesterday. And Sunday night's game, to wrap it up, was was not the game most of us were hoping for. And I'm a defensive-minded guy, so I typically do not quarrel with low-scoring games. However... When the best players in the game are on display, you want to see them do amazing things. You want to see Jamar Chase have a Darnell Mooney moment last night. Didn't happen. Didn't happen very much. The Bengals were challenged most of the night by a Baltimore defense that has been lousy. 
Baltimore's defense this year has been the worst pass defense in the NFL. And that's why I thought the Bengals were a great play, getting three or three and a half, depending on when you bought. I wound up getting the three, um, and they barely make it. You know, the Bengals lose by two, the last second heroics of the always reliable Justin Tucker, who was called by Chris Collinsworth last night, one of the best players in the NFL. Take it easy, Collie Top. We're not ready to go there just yet on any kicker, ever. Uh, You can't say that. He's the best kicker in the league. He's great. One of the best kickers of all time. If you want to say that, that's fine. Don't call him one of the best players in the league. He's a kicker. And he kicked the game winner last night for the Ravens, who got magic when they needed it from Lamar Jackson. Man, I I I don't think he's the type of guy you can you can sustain franchise excellence with. I don't even know if you can win a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson, but he's a damn video game. He he is so fun to watch when he decides he's going to be their running back. And they could use David Montgomery too because JK Dobbins is just a guy when he's not in the tub. He's in the tub too often, and when he's not, he's just a guy. He's not Monty of the Bears. But the Ravens survived last night. They saved their season with the win over the Bengals, who protected Burrow okay last night. Not great. They continue to make progress there after a really, really crummy start. Um, Evan McPherson's point after, by the way, that sailed over the right upright, I thought it was was no good. I, I was shocked there wasn't initially more uh, more of a contest from the broadcast booth, and they did after after they were told, hey, this thing was really, really close. We need to take a few more looks at this, and it was a great shot. It was clear the ball was right over the upright, and there is no way really of predicting just based on that how the ball would have bounced if the upright would have extended further or farther in this case. Farther is distance, further is degree. I was at Ball State the day they taught me the difference. Collinsworth claims he is an expert. I'm a doink expert, he said. He knows it's not going to go through the uprights. He's got no way of knowing. Nobody does. And that's as far as the league has ever wanted to extend the uprights. So uh, the kick counts and the Ravens come back. And uh, they kick a field goal because they have Justin Tucker and the other teams don't. He is a very, very good place kicker, very reliable, and Baltimore saves its season largely after already losing two dates at home by muscling out that game against the Cincinnati team that also has been a mixed bag, both of last year's Super Bowl contestants, the Rams and the Bengals, not so sure they are going back to a game with Roman numerals on it this year. It sure doesn't appear to be the case for either one of them. Both have a lot of work to do uh, to just win their damn divisions. Uh, enjoy the Chiefs and the Raiders tonight. Uh, I sure plan to. I have both running backs, Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Josh Jacobs, going on my fantasy team. And I know you were concerned about my fantasy team coming into this podcast. You're probably mad at me that I've waited 42 minutes almost to get to it. But it should be a good football game. 
Uh, the Raiders on Monday nights, there is a thing to that historically. So uh, for those of you who want to load up on the favored Chiefs, man, I understand. They can hurt you in a lot of ways, and the Raiders, we don't know what they are just yet. They've been unimpressive to date. But I would just caution you, there is something to the Raiders on Monday night. Thanking my executive producer, the one and only Sam Michael, the very proud Highland Trojan, and Adam Delavitt, the big boss man at Bet Rivers. I'll be back on Friday for a Bears and Washington Commanders postgame report and preview everything ahead for week six in the NFL. Thank you for giving me some time. I'm Dan McNeil, and I'm Tail Lights.